0: So here before the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, I always like to remind those gathered around him in prayer that when Jesus instituted the Eucharist some 2,000 years ago, he had this night in mind. He had our special gathering in mind. And one of the motivations for him to institute the Blessed Sacrament at the last supper was so that he could be here with us tonight it was his way of prolonging his presence all throughout time so that all of his brothers and sisters all the members of his mystical body could be in his real presence that's how much he loved you he had your face and your name in mind at the Last Supper. He said, I wanna be there. I wanna be there with Jan and Sue and Teresa, welcome. I wanna be there. I wanna be there with my sisters, with my bride. I wanna be united with them. And if we go back to our theme, that of creation, that was always God's intention in creating us, was just to be with us. And He created us in His image and likeness, which is to say, male and female, He created us. If you want to think of it from the theology of the body perspective but he created us freely. Freely. Because in order to love, you have to be free. Without freedom, there's really no true love. And so God wanted to give us that free will so that we could freely choose him. As he revealed himself to us and as he revealed his heart to us, his love, he wanted us to be free To respond to that. He didn't want robots. He didn't want animals. He wanted free persons, sons and daughters. He didn't want slaves following him out of fear. He wanted sons and daughters following him out of love. I've been reading this book. I know some of you have been as well. 40 Weeks, A Journey of Healing and Transformation by Father Bill Watson, SJ, another Jesuit. And he writes about the examined prayer. And one of the, well, the first step that he proposes for this examined prayer in the spirit of St. Ignatius is creation. And here's how he describes creation. And here are some affirmations, if you will, about creation. I believe God created everything in love and for love. I ask for heartfelt knowledge of God's love for me and for gratitude for the general and particular graces of this day. So when we talk about knowledge this week, whenever you hear St. Paul talk about knowledge, we're not just talking about intellectual knowledge. We're talking about heartfelt, experiential knowledge. That's what we're talking about. And that's what we're praying for. That's the, the grace that we're asking for. It is a grace. We talked a lot about grace in our first meditation. Well, we have to keep asking for the graces that we want St. Ignatius gave very specific instructions for each of his meditations. And he always would help his retreatants articulate a grace that they were looking for, that they were asking for. So that's one grace we're looking for here tonight. Jesus, grant us the grace of a heartfelt knowledge of your love for us. I mean, to experience that by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's job, I like to say, to communicate to us that love of God, that experience of God that goes beyond just the intellect. It includes the intellect, but it goes beyond the intellect. It includes the intellect, but it goes beyond the intellect. And it reaches into the heart. And it even touches the body sometimes. You feel it. God created the universe, all persons and all things, in love and for love. Everything and every person in creation is linked in love. Through Christ, in whom and for whom everything was made. We reflected on that in that first meditation. We are made to reverence God and each other, And to delight in creation as both divine gift and support for our lives. The God of all knows me personally and loves me. Even before I was knit in my mother's womb, so fearfully and wonderfully made am I. Psalm 139. We referenced that briefly in our first meditation. Psalm 139. My gratitude increases as my awakening to these truths is illuminated. So let's pray for another grace. Lord, illuminate my understanding to these truths. Awaken my mind and my heart to this truth that I'm created out of love and for love. John Paul II would say, That life doesn't make sense without love. Life doesn't make sense because we are called. What he was so keen in understanding and communicating through his theology of the body is that we are literally called to communion. It's stamped in our bodies as male and female that we are called to communion. We are created for communion with God and with one another. It's stamped in our bodies. We're called to communion. And without love, we will die. And God wants us to know his affection for us so that we can thrive. Jesus said it, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. John 10.10 when he's speaking about himself as the good shepherd. Well, how is it that we thrive and have this abundant life? It's through the knowledge of God's love for you personally. Paul came to know that. He had his big conversion. And he came to know experientially more and more through his prayer and through the providence of God working through him and and with him and in him that he was loved by God. God and that Jesus had died for him so that he could have life and have it abundantly. So let's pray that we can come to know that love of God, his affection for us, his passionate love for us more and more. Illuminative grace, Father Watson writes here Here I ask for what I desire. To know and feel God's tender and passionate love and to know myself as beloved. Both are very important. To know yourself as beloved daughters. Cherished, precious, beautiful daughters of God. That you are delightful because he delights in you. He loves to see you. He loves to be with you, just, just to be with you. You don't have to do anything. I like to use this expression that each and every one of you is a unique blend of truth, goodness, and beauty. A unique blend of truth, goodness, and beauty. Sometimes I know people struggle. Well, you know, if everybody's special, then nobody's really special. Right? Have you ever thought that or heard somebody say that? If God loves everybody, then how does He really love me in a particular way? What's so special about me if God loves everybody? Well, what God loves about you is unique is special because there's nobody else like you that he ever created with the unique blend that you are of truth, goodness, and beauty. With your personality and your history, your gifts and talents and all of your quirks. He loves your quirks, you know? It's as if he's infatuated with you and he never loses that sense of infatuation With you, with what he created in you. What is it about infatuation, right? If you've ever been infatuated with somebody, right? What does that mean? Basically, like, they can't do anything wrong, right? And you just love everything about them. Sometimes that wears off, but (laughs) in God, it never wears off. (laughs) It never wears off. But of course, his love goes way beyond that as well, because he even laid down his life for you. There's another grace to ask for. Another way of expressing this. To know and feel God's tender and passionate love and to know myself as beloved, a treasure of God's heart in the grand symphony of creation. And I pray for the grace of gratitude. In particular, I pray to know by whom I am created and why I am loved. I pray to know and believe that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Maybe that's what you want to ask God tonight. God, what do you love about me? Jesus, what do you love about me? Don't be afraid to ask that question. It's a beautiful question to ask Jesus in prayer. Here's a a couple of verses from Psalm 8, verses 4 to 6. Psalm 8. Verses four to six. When I see your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars that you set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him and a son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him little less than a God, crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him rule over the works of your hands. Put all things at his feet. O Lord, our, O Lord, our Lord, how awesome is your name through all the earth. Here's a good quote. St. John Paul II once said The gravest danger is not thinking too highly of ourselves, but failing to see our true dignity and inestimable worth in the eyes of the Father. The heartfelt knowledge that you are a delight to the Father is foundational for your healing and growth. let me repeat that, the heartfelt knowledge that you are a delight to the Father is foundational for your healing, and I would add, and for your thriving and growth and full maturity as a daughter of God. And that's not being proud or vain. That's just being humble. That's Getting in touch with the reality of who you are. There's a great Christmas homily given by one of the fathers of the church. I think it's St. Leo the Great, but he says Christian, know your dignity. Know your dignity. That you are a new creation. Sharing in the divine life of the creator. So in that sense, we have something over Adam and Eve. Not that God wouldn't have shared that with them. But as they were, even before the fall, they did not share in sanctifying grace the way that we do. They did not have that participation or that you could call that grace of divine adoption. They didn't have that. We have that now, already, the side of heaven. Of course, we still have to wrestle with concupiscence and our fallen nature. But as St. Paul would say, we've already received the first installment of our inheritance. We've already received the first installment of our inheritance, this divine adoption. The Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God. And now he's wanting to make all things new. He says that in the book of Revelation. Behold, I make all things new. That's Jesus talking. So through his passion, death, and resurrection, and then with the Father, they poured out the Spirit, and they renewed the face of the earth. And they are renewing the face of the earth, and they are renewing and redeeming your life, your life story. Your life story, it's sacred. So Jesus, help us to appreciate that our lives are indeed a sacred story. And that you invite us to come to you Verses 25 and following, Matthew 11:25. At that time, Jesus declared, "I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding, and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son." And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So he said that Jesus has chosen all of you. Jesus has chosen all of you to reveal the Father. And now what does he say? Come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly or humble of heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He wants to share your life with you. He wants to share his life with you. That's why he created you. So that he could share his life with you and his love. So he wants to love on you, and it's okay to be needy. He knows that we're all needy. He knows that we need to come to him for rest, for blessing, for affirmation and affection and protection. He knows that we need that. But he's happy to give it. In fact, he delights in being able to be God. He loves to be God. God loves to be God. He loves to bless you. He loves to forgive you. He loves to heal you. He loves to affirm you. He loves to remind you of who you are. He never tires of that. God is never impatient. Think about that. Think about how many times a day we can be impatient, right? Even in just little ways, right? On the road, at home, at the store, at school. How many times a day are we impatient? God is never impatient. Think about that for a second. but what do we do? We tend to project, right? We tend to project our own experiences onto him and that is so unfair. So Jesus, forgive us for being so unfair to you, for projecting our own distorted images of who and what we think you are. And letting those ideas, those false ideas, those lies dictate our relationship with you. So Lord, we're asking that you would continue to heal and restore and perfect the image that we have of you. So that the image that we have of ourselves can also be restored and perfected. We have nothing to be afraid of here. God doesn't want there to be any fear here. No fear in approaching Him, no fear in expressing yourself to Him. We can be vulnerable with Him. We can be honest about how we're feeling, about what we're thinking. He wants us to be honest because he knows where we're at. He knows where we're all at. We're all in different places because we're all different. So he knows how to meet each and every one of us right where we're at. That's just how good he is. And he understands why we do the things we do. He understands our struggles much better than we do. He knows why we struggle. with whatever we struggle with. (laughs) He knows why. And that's why he's so patient. That's mercy. That's mercy. And that's why we should never judge somebody's intentions, right? We can judge behaviors, but to ascribe to somebody some malicious intent it's, it's up to God. Only He knows. A friend of mine prayed a very bold prayer not too long ago. She doesn't live here, she's, she's not in Michigan. But she she asked God to give her a part of his heart that nobody else wants. Jesus, I'm willing to have a little bit of that part of your heart that nobody wants anything to do with. So I was talking to her the other day, and I said, so how's it going? She goes, "Uh." Oh. She's like, I'm feeling a part of God's heart for somebody that pretty much everybody in the world hates right now. I said, Putin? She's like, yeah. Yeah. She was feeling God's ache for Putin. Because he loves him too. Doesn't like what he's doing, that's for sure. But his love hasn't changed for that son of his at all. And it never will. And that's why his heart aches so much. Lord Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make our hearts more like yours, Jesus, and help us to have the confidence that you have in the Father. May we be inspired by your life and your example, by your divine mercy, to approach the Father with whatever we need, with whatever's troubling us. And to know that no prayer is ever prayed in vain, it never falls on deaf ears, that it all makes a difference.